What's up, Stream Fiends? Steve here. Streaming Things is going on vacation. That's right. Chris and I are going out to LA and taking a couple weeks off so that we can recover from our in-depth Yellow Jackets coverage. But don't worry. On June 12th, we will be back in force where you will have five episodes of Streaming Things a week. We will have Mission Impossible Mondays. Crossing Streams makes its return. We will be covering season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We will be covering Lost And of course, we will continue our coverage of the Patreon chosen films. Until then, though, fret not. We will be releasing some episodes that were formerly exclusive to Patreon. These are some episodes we thought were very, very fun that up until now were only available to our Patreon members and we're giving them to you for free. So we will be back on June 12th. But until then, please enjoy these special episodes. Happy streaming. Buddy, you're a boy, make a big noise, playing in the street, gonna be a big man someday. You got mud on your face, you big disgrace, kicking your can all over the place, singing, We will, we will rock you. It's too much of a banger. We Can't do will, it. <laughs> we will rock you. Welcome to Streaming Things, Patreon edition. Oh, yeah. Where we illegally use Queen. This is why we need your Patreon money to pay our legal bills. <laughs> that song is, of course, in reference to this month's voted winner, A Knight's Tale. We- I demand a recount. <laughs> You're just mad that your streak was broken. Son of a bitch. I think it got just obliterated. It did. See, here's the thing. All of those movies are like among my favorites, so I could not have lost this time. Right. I, I was pretty stoked. Which is good because before Sunrise mm-hmm. was the Count Adamar of that poll. Indubitably. And you were looking up at a knight's tale from the flat of your back. <laughs> <laughs> it has been weighed. Mm-hmm. It has been measured. And, and La La Land was measured. Wanting. That's true, though. All three films uh, were wonderful. Of course, the poll was invented, you know, to celebrate the the month of love, uh, among other things like like black history that we didn't choose to talk about because we're all white and we didn't want to be. Well, when you put it like that, (laughs) (laughs) well, I didn't just want to say the month of love and nothing else. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, Valentine's day, we were thinking about celebrating something like that. So we picked, uh, our favorite romantic films. And I was so happy that a knight's tale won because Steve, my beloved co-host as me had never seen a knight's tale. I haven't. You hadn't. Yes. True. True. And so I was really excited to share that with him. I was talking to Steve earlier and, uh, I think so whenever someone asks me what my favorite film is, I think if I were to. Be honest about it. A lot of times I want to, uh, I don't know, come off a certain way. Right. And there's a lot of classic titans of film that I do love. Right. Mm. But I'm, I'm tempted to to say some kind of Kubrickian masterpiece. Uh, one of my favorite Tarantino movies, perhaps. Or even if it's a, a really, really intelligent, snobbish person, I might bust out some Kurosawa or Wong Kar Wai, you know. Uh, <laughs> but if I'm being honest... This is probably my favorite movie of all time. If I'm just going to just pull down my pants and say, look at me, world. (laughs) This is all that I am. This is my night's tale. (laughs) (laughs) Gaze upon it. 
Gaze upon my favorite movie and weep. <laughs> Take it in. <laughs> Look at my lance. <laughs> it's been measured. Uh, so yeah, well, Steve. It has been <laughs> wanting. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, not to put any pressure on you, but, uh, you know, we just finished watching the movie. What did you think, Steve? I have to say, what a fun movie. That was such a pleasant time. Um, I, I, You know, this is one of those movies that always looked fun when I would, like, view it from afar. Like, people are watching it inside, and I'm the orphan outside with my hands pressed against the glass. (laughs) What are they watching there, sir? And then my father would touch people from behind, like, change your stars, boy. Maybe one day you will will become a Knight's Tale viewer. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It always looked fun, but I just, you know... For whatever reason, never got around to watching it. And so this is a great excuse to sit down and actually do it. And yeah, this was such a good time. It's got so many lovable characters played by lovable actors and actresses. And, uh, you know, of course, it's got a lot of Queen in it, which is why we play the song. And everyone knows you put a Queen song in your movie. That just makes me like it at least 20% more. Uh, And I love how anachronistic it is with the music. Like, they're literally like... There's like a squire like fucking jamming out to We Will Rock You and he's like mouthing the words like in the beginning of the movie. Like it was just bliss. The guitar solo came from the trumpets. Yeah. I think at one point I was making a, a face just because I was just enamored with it. And Chris was watching me because like Chris said, it's his favorite movie. And I think he was watching me to see if I would enjoy it. And at one point you were like, why, is it, why are you making that face? Are you like just totally into it? Or do you think this is the dumbest thing ever? And I'm like, this is great. Love it. Was at the very beginning uh, when they're playing Queens, "We Will Rock You." So it's the first anachronistic song, and it's not even like they're hiding it at all. Like it's the 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 people, the peasants are blatantly singing it. They're pounding their lances to make the beat. They're stomping uh, the trumpets. Are doing the guitar solos. (laughs) And I looked at Steve, and I was like, "Look, if you love this this movie, you're in." If you're weirded out by this, you're going to hate everything that follows. <laughs> and I loved it. He's like, I love it. Because that, that film got a lot of flack for the anachronistic music. A lot of people were like, what the fuck is this? And the, and the movie, watching it this time from a, trying to be a, a more critical, you know, a more critical eye, it makes a lot of interesting and bold choices. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. With like the camera work and everything. Yeah. From, you know, soup to nuts. Um, <laughs> even the way that it starts, like you would think it would start with him as a peasant. And just be like a two and a half hour, like Mel Gibson style, um, you know, almost biographical film. And he would grow up and you know, have some woeful tales as a squire with the knight. And then the mm-hmm. knight would pass right as they're about to have some victory and get some food. And he would make a fateful decision. But it opens with him as an adult. You don't know where he come, from whence he comes. You know, it even has like a Star Wars-esque title card at the beginning kind of explaining things. But all it's explaining is what jousting is. Yeah, which um, is important because I wouldn't know the rules of jousting, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I just thought, I never thought of that before, but it's, it's an interesting choice and it's a good one because it gives you so much more time to spend with adult William and, and building those characters and, mm-hmm. and building that conflict instead of the movie is ultimately about him, sort of. Um but it's also not. And it makes it less about like William's growth and more mm-hmm. about like this group of people. I feel like this film has the quickest um, time frame from beginning of the movie to the training montage. Oh, for sure. Training montage is like the opening of act three in any movie. And they're like, yeah. nope, 10 minutes in training. <laughs> we, need montage. <laughs> we need it. We need it. 
Uh, Andy, I, I know your relationship with this film, but you perhaps uh, the listeners do not. What did you think of the movie or what's your relationship to it? I love the shit out of this movie. It has a banger fucking soundtrack, first off, and it's Medieval Nights. So what more could you want? And it's Heath Ledger. He ain't hard on the eyes. No, he's a handsome man. He's a handsome man. And I said it at the start of this movie, and having watched the whole thing, I stand by it. The beautiful blacksmith, Kate, shits all over Jocelyn. Just Laura Frazier. And very much shits all over her, as we saw in that post-credit scene. Yes. Neither one of us knew about for 20 years. I don't recall. Oh, yeah, this movie has that. a post-credit scene before yeah, post-credit might, scenes were popular. farts. It yeah. might be the first one ever, Steve. I stand by that. It's, Don't look it up. What was this, 2001? Yeah, 2001. But yeah, it's just a bunch of characters having just a farting contest with each other, just looking at each other, and one would rip ass, and the next one would be like, oh, my turn, rips ass. And, well, they're just trying to decide who buys the next round, who, so oh, whoever yeah. has the weakest fart, which, of course, was Alan Tudyk's Watt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, check this out. This movie was written and directed by... Oscar-winning writer, Brian Helgeland, who did 42. The, he, wait, the Jackie Robinson movie? Uh-huh. Oh, he, he wrote Man on Fire. Chet. He also wrote L.A. Confidential. Wow. wow. So this was Which a little I bit of a... Which I assume is what he won the Oscar for. This was a little bit of departure for him, I take a, it. A bit. He also wrote <laughs> Spencer Confidential. Did you guys watch that movie with mm. uh, uh, a cameo by... Uh, what's his name? With the tattoo on his face. He's really cool. Mike Tyson? No. Post Malone? Post Malone. Yeah. Oh, oh that, really? Yes. Uh, Legend, the movie where Tom Hardy plays his own twin. Oh. I don't know if you guys ever saw that I one. Haven't seen that one. He also wrote uh, Robin Hood, the Ridley Scott one with Russell Crowe. Oh, bummer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate it, but it's not great. Also, a Mel Gibson film called Payback. You remember that? My mom loves the shit out of I that remember, movie. I love that movie as a kid. I remember the cover, but I don't remember the movie. He adapted. The cover is Mel Gibson like putting his crossing his hands like this in front of his face. And there's a hard light hitting it from below. Dude, he's fucking making people get payback. Fuck. Yeah. He Am I thinking of ransom? Make, make him get payback. <laughs> he wrote, he wrote the order. Heath Ledger's movie from 2003. Remember that movie? The order. Mm-hmm. That sounds super duper familiar. I think he's like a priest or something. I forget. Yeah. I, I remember a priestly thing happening. So this was like the thing that this guy, like when he was in high school was like, wouldn't it be cool if there were nights? Yeah. And like queen was playing. I'll be dope. And then he got like, he, he got serious. He buckled down. He wrote some real like artsy, like high class movies. And he's like, I'm, uh, I got an idea guys. Now that you guys find me successful <laughs> nights and shit. Holy shit. <laughs> he wrote, the Postman with Kevin Costner. I love that movie. He wrote the adaptation for Mystic River. Really? Oh, damn. That's a dark-ass movie. He wrote Assassins. I don't know if you guys ever saw or Are you guys in the 90s action flicks at all as much as I was? It's uh, Antonio Banderas and Sylvester Stallone. Both play uh, opposite assassins fighting each other. That sounds dope. It's a really cool movie. <laughs> Mystic River is amazing, though. I love the fuck out of that movie. It's a... It's- it's a that's a drama. His first screenplay <laughs> was a nightmare on Elm Street Four, the Dream Master in 1988, the year I was born. So oh, I've been no. a kindred spirit with this man my whole life. And this guy's like all over the place in in wonderful ways. Yes. So uh, as I said, this was this might be my favorite movie of all time. I adore this movie. Uh, I was crying throughout the last 45 minutes. <laughs> it's true. It's you were stop. like a ba- Yeah. Just constant. I mean, there's so many and I couldn't help it. If, if I was alone, I weep 
like the, the <laughs> like heaves and the racking, like your whole chest and shoulders moving, kind of crying. But because I was sitting next to Steve, I was only hold- 45 minutes. <laughs> I was holding it back enough to where just like a, a, a cinematic solitary tear would fall, you know, <laughs> I'd let it fall it's down my cheek into my beard. Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something about this movie and its themes that resonate. And I, I know it's overly sentimental. It's almost corny. But you know, not to wax too poetically or whatever, because I'm certainly no Sir William Thatcher, but I, mm-hmm. I grew up very poor. Uh, my dad grew up even poorer and he wanted a much better life for me than he had. And just this story of this father who basically gives away his son so that he might have an opportunity because if he stays where he is, even though it's so selfless, he wants his son to be in his life. Right. Um, but if he stays with him. He's just going to be a fucking net maker, um, scraping for pennies, hundred percent for sure. So he has to to give him away, and for him to have a chance of any sort of other life, you know. And and that's why I appreciate the anachronistic music because this is not possible, right? In actual <clears throat> dark age Europe, you know, it's just uh, can a man change his stars? Absolutely fucking not. You know, <laughs> they'll fucking kill you. Um, I don't know why he's Irish, but. <laughs> and so that's the whole thing, though. He's like, you know, if a man believes enough, absolutely. You know, it just it just chokes me up from the get go. And the, and the reason we watch this movie this month is the the love between he and, and Shannon Sossaman's character, Jocelyn. You know, again, that's so. It's it's so bold because the expected thing is that when she discovers, like when she crawls into his tent and that it's a moment I love from a writing perspective. And she says, I heard, you know, my, my maiden, my handmaiden says that they call you William. Uh, is that true? And he hesitates. He stares at her and he says, yes, it's true. And she smiles because he didn't lie to her. That's all she, she doesn't give a fuck, but that, that was important to her. Do you know right. what I mean? Like she smiles real big. It's all she cared about. Okay, I don't care what your name is. And I think in a lesser film, that would have been uh, the 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 Dark Knight of the Soul third act twist, where she discovers that that he's been that, that he's not Sir Ulrich, and it would be this huge You've point been lying of, to me this whole yeah, time. This huge, huge point of conflict. Like you're not noble. I don't know if I can be with a peasant. Plus, you lied to me, and it would have to be he'd have to win her back, right? But this movie doesn't do any of that. She never cares. She's completely willing to live in a hovel with the pigs with him. It's true love, right? And I love that. That's one of my favorite things about this movie is that she doesn't have that fabricated, con- conflicted twist. You know, she just instantly doesn't give a fuck. And uh, I think that's cool. I think that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of like... Like you mentioned at the top, like a lot of strange choice. Not strange choices, but out of the ordinary choices that this movie makes. And I think that's what makes it stand up on its own two feet. Because if it had done the more, you know, tried and true methods of storytelling and filmmaking, then it would not be as unique as of a movie as it is. Mm-hmm. Like if she had done what what we kind of talked about, where you know, oh, you lied to me, and like now he's got to win back her affection. Like that, it would be like kind of like, okay. Well, this is not fun to watch it's just kind of okay you win her back cool 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 right whereas like just having the 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 relationship so sound and and they write it in a way where you never feel like he is deceiving her and the the little deception that he does have she completely knows why he's doing it and doesn't think he's a shitty person for it 
And I think that's that's a better story. That's more realistic. In the a way. true deception was when he wrote her that letter because he didn't write that letter. He that's just true. fucking cribbed everybody else's shit. And then she was like, speak poetry to me. Well, he had a He's good like, opener. Your tits <laughs> and your neck. <laughs> and your <laughs> neck. And she's like, oh, you didn't write that. Well, he huh? does have a few moments of poetry on his own. He had that um, really good opener about the moon. He like came out full yeah. salvo. Even Paul Bettany was like, that's really great. I'm going to write that down. That's perfect, William. I'm Jeffrey Chaucer. <laughs> I can't remember the lines, but I remember I, while I was watching it just now, I was like, was it good, though? What? The, 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 the bit that he said before everybody else, like, used their lines, like, I miss her like the sun, miss, or the flower misses the sun. You know, no, I mean, that like, was Watts' line. No, I know. Like, yeah. it, he cribs everybody else's, and those are all really good. But when it was good. William said his bit at the beginning. It was about the moon. Chaucer says... You know, that's really good. I, I don't remember what he says, but I remember thinking just now, like, mm-hmm. it was good. It was all right. It was really good. Jeffrey Chaucer appreciated it. All right. That means he that had to have been good. Oh, here it is. It is strange to think I haven't seen you since a month. I have seen the new moon, but not you. I have seen sunsets and sunrises, but nothing of your beautiful face. That's his. That was his opener. It's good. Is that good? It's pretty. That's pretty great. For a guy okay. who probably can't I, write I, I, or read. He's saying, you know, I've seen all these wonderful, majestical things, but none of it compares to you. We didn't say that. It's what he said in, in a poetic way. The pieces of my heart, or the pieces of my broken heart are but a small, shit, I can't read, are so small <laughs> that they could be passed through the eye of a needle. That was Roland's bit. That's what uh, he used to say. I miss you like the sun misses the flower, like the sun misses the flowers in the depth of winter instead of beauty to direct its light to the heart hardens like the frozen world your absence has banished me to oh god that one's good that's definitely chaucer he writes as if i've died (laughs) he dies as well (laughs) the thing i love about that scene is it's like they're all uh it's like this feeling that he's going through is a it's just pounding it over your head that it's a, a shared ubiquitous human experience and so all of them feel for him because they've all had their heart broken and they all celebrate the fact that that you know he loves her so much right yeah. so they support him in that they're true friends i just really this is just this is why it's probably my favorite movie it's either this or almost famous and that that's the honest answer is one of those two movies. steve also hasn't seen that that's so funny <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me at all steve i clearly don't um, what's your name? But I don't know Mary Todd Lincoln. So it's just tit for tat. Right. Um, I just adore you don't know this MTL? movie. <laughs> I adore this. If you movie. don't know MTL, you don't know shit. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> May 13th. Um, yeah. I just think that it's, uh, it's like when you love a movie like this, none of its flaws are flaws, right? It's, mm. it's just perfect. Just as it is. I cannot believe this has a fucking 59% on rotten tomatoes. Yeah. It's, they didn't make it for the critics. They made it for the fans of what? I don't know. Jousting. Guess what, guess what it has on IMDb? Seven, right? Six, that's seven. Eight. That's pretty strong for IMDb. Okay. 7.0. Dang. That's the, that's the audience score, baby. It's got a 56 Metacritic score. <laughs> that's not bad for movies. Movies tend to skew pretty low on Metacritic. Oh, okay. Metacritic's brutal. Yay. 56. <laughs> Yay. And what about the cast? I mean, at the time this came out, I was 13. Mm, yeah, so I you know, probably watched it 
once or twice a year since. I, I owned it on VHS and would stare at it all the time. Like, yes. It is a cool cover. Uh-oh. <laughs> but like that burgundy, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That yeah. Bur- burgundy background yeah. with his like yellow face. That's a, actually a really good poster. It is. It, like, of all the posters of just a person's face. They don't make them like that anymore. One. They wouldn't put that burgundy in. But it's got Alan Tudyk, Mark Addy, Paul Bettany, Heath Ledger, of course, Shannon Sossman, of course, uh, Rufus Sewell. Rufus Sewell. I mean, it, for Alan Tudyk and Mark Addy, for sure, Paul Bettany, those three became some of my greatest loves on the screen over the next 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is how I fell in love with them. Like it was, and this is dumb, but Paul Bettany, I, I have quoted this movie unbeknownst to people around me for my entire life since, and mostly Paul Bettany's stuff. Like the rock, the hard place. I'll just do that. You know, okay. <laughs> uh, or I'll tell people I'm going to fong them. That's pretty frequent. Uh, or I'll just I say it to my wife all the time and she just doesn't even know what I'm talking about. But I'll be like a full stomach. That dream can come true when we're talking about dinner and <laughs> I'll stuff. I'll take my five now. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved Paul Bettany so much that I remember when I saw him in the Da Vinci Code and he played like the albino villain. I don't know if you ever oh, saw that yeah, movie. He, oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> I was like, that's my fucking dude. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's nowhere near as charming in this why is he i forgot about that why wow. is he beating himself and then he's in like a, a comic book adaptation angel movie um that sounds dumb to put yeah it. no i know exactly what you're talking about and i was just following him a good movie i followed him around everywhere i was like i love this guy he was and, in that kirsten dunst tennis rom-com wimbledon mm-hmm. yes remember yes he wore the little shorts mm-hmm. yep little betney shorts and then when he got the role for vision uh, after I recognized his voice as uh, Jarvis, I was like, fuck yeah, that was, that was awesome. That's my guy. And then Alan Tiddick is, I love that dude. Like I, I, I ran and I was introduced to him first with um, Firefly, Firefly and right? Serenity. See, I didn't see Firefly until many years after I saw Night's Tale. Oh, I still dude, never I seen it. Love it. So, Andy, you would love it. Um, but but he he's a much larger like voice actor like he's, yeah like, he's like a king he's a titan in like voice acting, and so the, but he when he pops up in the, in the film and TV like he has a small role in like Arrested Development that's really funny, uh like when he so when he pops up in movies and he and more and more he's showing up in more and more I feel like motion pictures now. Mm. Like, yeah, the only thing I saw him in after this that I can recall was like five or six years later he was in uh, Death at a Funeral. Did you guys yeah. ever see that? He was he was the one that was naked. All yeah, the time. he was yeah. like on acid or something yeah so he was really funny in that and then i didn't see him again i don't recall until uh rogue one well i didn't see him he didn't but see him. he was k2 I, I heard him and i was like that's my guy <laughs> dodgeball he, he was yes yeah. he's the pirate right yeah, yeah, steve yeah. the pirate yep i met him once at a fan convention and i was like i'm the worst pe- person when i meet famous people at conventions especially if it's a famous person that i like actually enjoy because mm. i like lock up I'm like hello uh, how how are you sir and I, I met him and he was like oh nice to meet you I'm like i'm a huge fan of your career uh, <laughs> i've i loved your work at firefly i even love your work in wreck it ralph king candy's great <laughs> and he goes king candy and starts doing it in front of me like oh my pants <laughs> stop <laughs> i'm not presentation ready <laughs> King Candy. He's like, oh, it's a dumb guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, then I'm like next next to him was Adam Baldwin for from for Firefly as well. Next to him was your caretaker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I met Adam okay. Baldwin right next to him, and he like was like, oh great, hey man, what's going on? And he proceeded to talk to my wife at the time for like five minutes, and the whole time I'm like, you're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
Selfie. But then, and Ruf, Rufus Sewell is in this movie. And as soon as he, I wasn't, I didn't know he was in this. Like no, you went Rufus. I went Rufus because as soon as he popped up, I was like, bad guy. Right there, that's the villain. Candy Rufus Sewell, poor dude. Just because he has a lazy eye, he's just typecast <laughs> as a fucking villain. It is a slightly oh. lazy eye. Anytime Rufus is in a movie, he is the villain. Unless, uh, what's that one movie, Dark City? Dark City. He was like the, he was the one time he was a protagonist was Dark City. And that whole movie is just a bunch of villains. Pretty much, yeah. It's a very dark movie. He was also in Old, which is, I believe, the worst movie ever made. Is that the beach that makes you old? It is. He was in The Father with Anthony He Hopkins. was. Was yes, he the villain Anthony in that? Hopkins, he is villainous. Did he play dementia? He was, <laughs> he was the dementia. Sort of. <laughs> Essentially. So that bit that I brought up during the uh, early, early sequence when uh, Chaucer first introduced Sir Ulrich to the masses, that is true. I just looked it up. That uh, when he oh at the sword them, fight, the crowd didn't react because the Czech extras didn't understand the language, and so Mark Addy ad libbed going, Ey! and then everybody starts cheering. So that was like a, a happy <laughs> circumstance that worked out. And look, that's What's, a hilarious beat in the movie. That's awesome. It's hilarious because in the wide shot when uh, Paul Bettany's doing a speech at one point he pauses for half a second and there's this woman like dead center of the frame who like starts clapping <laughs> enthusiastically and then he continues and then she just like, <laughs> it's such a good moment right there in center of the frame it's beautiful brian helgeland was just like keep going this keep is going. hot this is gold i should have thought of this yay one of my favorite characters is the herald of um uh, oh, uh what the fuck is it that rufus's name Oh, uh, yeah. What is his name? Uh, Adamar. Adamar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Count Adamar's Harold. It's throughout the film. He starts to just build like he from jump respects Sir Ulrich slash Sir William. Right. And he's like, oh, but he's his style's rudimentary is that it, but he's fearless. Right. And then he really likes uh, Chaucer as a herald and starts to emulate him slowly and steal mm -hmm. from him. Toward, and then by the end, he's like, and everyone else. And he's like trying to add flair to his style, but it's just, he's struggling. Uh, and he, he does the, and he's like really pleased with himself because the crowd loves it. He's, he's doing better. Yeah. He just, he's a good person. Unlike count Adamar. And uh, he really admires that bunch. It's great. And then when they win, he actually does the, he applauds yeah. for them. He's like, like yeah, fuck that guy Those on the ground. Those are good people. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, I like uh, Laura Frazier as Kate the Blacksmith. I mean, you know, she does the Nike swooshes. None of that shit that people make fun of bothers me. I love every bit of it. Um, this, this, this movie makes me happy. That's supposed to be funny though, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, this so movie's I, hilarious. Yeah. Um, but it's stuff like that, people find a little too much on occasion, at least some of the criticism I've heard over the years. And uh, even her whole character, you know, like the female blacksmith thing. And I love every bit of it. I wish there was more of her. Same. Yeah, absolutely. Because she has a pretty good introduction. And then for the rest of the movie, she's just kind of there to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like and everyone's fighting and then she'll be the fourth one to go. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think you should run. I know you didn't ask me, but <laughs> you should run. <laughs> so that scene is where the bawling begins. Like I think there's a scene before it where a tear drops, but that's where the bawling begins. The well, scene where they're telling him to run because yeah. he's about to be arrested. Do you yeah. want to start bawling at the blind dad who's just suddenly blind? I do. That's the that's the crack in the ice, though, yeah. right? Like that's I, as soon as I wipe my eyes, it goes to that scene. Yeah, I will not run. And and his voice breaks, and he's like desperately pleading with the universe. You know, yeah. I'm a knight. 
and it it's just fucking gets me. I know, whatever. No, and, I get it. I'm not judging. You. I remember that that was in the trailer. Uh, uh, Jocelyn, though, her eyes are like fucking water faucets in that yeah. scene. She's like, every time they cut to her, she is like right when she happens to blink and like mass massive amounts of tears are dropping, and I'm just like, Jesus, chill out. <laughs> She's so good though. I love Shannon Sossman in this movie. She's good, but I, I still stand by my girl Kate. <laughs> They're both beautiful women, for sure. <laughs> they are beautiful, women. for sure. I love Shannon's uh, opening, Jocelyn's opening scene where she walks into the cathedral with that uh, silly hat. Yeah, with the silly little dinosaur hat. <laughs> dinosaur hat. <laughs> it's the Triceratops hat. <laughs> that whole exchange with the priest is just gets me every time. I pray to be ugly. <laughs> pray your beauty fades. Pray your years pass quickly so that you may better serve God. Oh, and I do. I pray for it all the time. <laughs> Why, God, have you cursed me <laughs> with, with this face? <laughs> I love when he like gives presents her the ring so that she may kiss it. And she's <laughs> oh, like, oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. And he's just like, Ugh, <laughs> silly woman. Yeah. Everything about it is, uh, and there's a lot of nostalgia for me too. I mean, this was back when I maybe had a dozen or so VHS tapes and life wasn't so grand. And so I rewatched them a lot. And this Got burned out. This in Jurassic Park and Men in Black, baby. Hey, those are good movies. That's a fire-ass trio to spend a childhood, right? Yeah, right? (laughs) I also loved um, this movie is like the king of like jib slash crane shots. There's so many of them, although it's kind of like follow the... Some of them are unnecessary. Some of them are very unnecessary. There's one in particular where it looked like there was just a guy that it focused on like way in the background and and then like the, the jouster kind of walks forward but he's not center of frame so for a second you're like why are we looking at that guy (laughs) (laughs) my time to shine (laughs) but he yes he he looks he was like kind of looking off camera and he kind of looks like towards camera a bit almost like what (laughs) (laughs) why are you looking at me (laughs) but it was neat to kind of see because they would do some neat shots where it would start up high kind of follow the length of the the knights like he'd start on his helmet and then go down his shoulder and then down his lance and then it would uh, pan over and you would see the other knight running towards camera cool stuff like that maybe yeah. it would start on a sigil and then would like pan and raise at the same time and then follow the knight further a lot of cool stuff like that and then um they also had a a frequent use of what looked like the cameraman just holding the camera and then tilting his body left and right so the role of the camera kind of like the 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 horizon of the of the camera was uh, lopsided. You would get these Dutch like teeter totter. It, mm-hmm. it was a teeter totter, if you will, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and a lot of that was for crowd shots. And those are shots I use to like, yeah, it's a party when I'm at work and I'm trying to simulate <laughs> like this is a fun time. <laughs> Look how wacky everybody is. Yeah. <laughs> so like seeing that in a major motion picture, I was like, hell yeah, man. That is a good move that I do. <laughs> yeah, the second uh, the second time that William and Jocelyn are in the cathedral together, and ultimately she asks him to lose the match to show his love for her, which I thought was a cool writing twist because she's fed up from everybody trying to win the tournament for her, right? Um, there's a, a really extended series yeah. of tracking shots that mm-hmm. I thought were impressive, and they each mm-hmm. end in a beautiful frame. Um, well, they're like framing based on the windows. Yeah. Like the stained glass windows three and they uh, frame it dead center. Perfect. Like split into thirds and then it tracks to the right. And then we and it stops again with the the same framing and it does it like two or three times. 
uh, going one direction. And then eventually, like, once she makes the uh, ultimatum of I want you to lose, then it starts backing up. The yeah, other she way. backs him it's up. It's really yeah. cool the way that, that, that like, the camera work kind of reflects the flow of the scene. Yeah. Um, which that that sequence in particular was a lot of fun. I do like the teeter-totter camera work, and especially in the uh, – dance sequence with the david bowie song yes that cameraman was having so much fun during the dance sequence yeah just like all right let's just let's just party it's it's the steve's party shots we're having fun everybody (laughs) (laughs) so the uh i I was reading some of the trivia on imdb and the director was saying that uh the main reason that he wanted to use the anachronistic music is to show like how uh how renaissance era people would react to music from back then they didn't have obviously the bops that we do now but those were bops to them back in the day yeah those are bops to them so we're supposed to like fill in our own heads like the as much emotional reaction as the audience gets from hearing these those people got that kind of reaction from their music back then Mm -hmm. so we're just kind of he's trying to like translate the emotion of music to a modern audience which is pretty fucking cool yeah, yeah. I, and I think it works better than because, you know, if this movie had been like a Mel Gibson directed feature or something, right? First off, it would have been brutal mm. uh, and anti-Semitic. But also, <laughs> you wouldn't get that like elation, you know, that you're talking about with that. That dance would have been like this historical weirdness, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it starts with that. And then I you can hear in the they, background. Hey, the like real I looked at Steve to see if he caught it. <laughs> you know, I know he's a, a huge fan of that era of music and it didn't look like you had. I didn't pick up on it at first, but when like it really kind of when Golden Years really starts playing, I'm like, fuck yeah, David Bowie too. <laughs> ah, yeah, I they, love David Bowie so much. They blew their load on the music budget for this film. For sure. I absolutely, I adore that scene so much because there's this part where first the, the anachronistic music picks up and you can see, and Rufus Sewell overacts like a motherfucker for that. <laughs> like he is like about to puke. Mm. He hates how happy they are so much. And that's like, he kind of stumbles out. He's almost can't even stand. Everyone's dancing and having <laughs> fun and frivolity. But it goes in levels because at first it's the medieval dance with the medieval music and then it's the medieval dance with David Bowie. But then it ramps up a third notch that I didn't know was possible. And they start modern dancing and having a great time. Uh, and that's just really fun for me. And Shannon Sossaman's the way she moves in that is incredible. And it's always killed me. She has like a really cool hairstyle. I don't know if it's that scene or the scene prior where it's almost like a. It, yeah, like, like there's like, little flares of red in it. And it's like spiked out like a, yeah. like a sunburst. Like a peacock's feathers. Which yeah, boom. she's peacocking. Yeah, she's peacocking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Andy, why are you touching your belly? Peacock. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I love this month's theme. It's all about balance. How do you spend time for yourself when you're so busy worrying about other people? I find that extremely difficult. I know I've got kids, I've got dogs, I've got cats even. They're very self-sufficient, but every now and then very demanding, especially when they're bowls empty. And so it's all about getting caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never thinking about what you need from yourself. But when we spend all of our time giving it, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. So therapy can give you tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Steve, you know a thing or two about this, don't you? Yeah, I was actually in a relationship with someone. It was a very codependent relationship, and I spent so much of my time not worried about my own health, but their own. And that left a lot of things in my life 
uh, not as great as they could be, Chris. And so I was able to get involved with BetterHelp. I found a therapist. It was very easy to use. My therapist was really, really awesome. She gave me books to read, gave me homework, and made me realize that I am a person worthy of value and worthy of spending time on myself with. Uh, And that's why BetterHelp is really, really awesome. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You found it to be the case, Steve? I did. 100% love BetterHelp. And so all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. So if you feel like you're not vibing, if you're not vibing, mm-hmm. you, could, you could move on. Next. And then you, don't, you can worry about balance. Immediately. You want to make sure you get the therapist that you want and not the therapist that may be a very picky cat. Mm, that's true. Mm-hmm. My cat is a terrible therapist. Yeah. So find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash streaming things today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash streaming things. I've noticed some things I never noticed before. Andy and I both like the fact that his first tunic is made from the tent that they sleep in. Like I've always seen uh, Roland sew it and I've always seen him hesitate and invent the colors, but I never picked up that he was just looking at the tent behind them. Yeah, that's really surprising that they didn't cut to like, you know, a rack focus or something to looking at the tent. You know what I mean? Just to like make it obvious. I mean, it was obvious. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, I was going to say like, I, I picked up on that. Like, did real you really He oh, literally yeah. like looks at it over her shoulder and everything, but it, but it's from her fir- point of view. So I don't, you know yeah. what I mean? I, it just looked yeah. like he's thinking. Well, the first time, the first time it cuts to him and you see him kind of look over, I actually, you had to have heard me. I was like, ah, the tent. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't hear you no damn it no <laughs> the tent but the, the wooden toggles is what got me this time yep yep wooden same. toggles and i was like oh it's they're on the tent they're dangling they're dangling there's wooden toggles on the tent too guys what a weird coincidence <laughs> can we all agree that mark addy just needs to be in more things just full stop oh 100 percent. like 100 percent. there is a i don't think i saw him in anything until game of thrones came out yeah, and then Andy casually drops a couple weeks ago he, that he was in Jack Frost. Yeah, with an earring, and he plays the keyboard. He tickles the ivory. Oh, my God. And my heart. Is it ivories on a keyboard? Sure. I mean, I'll allow it. Little ivories. Do yeah. they actually used to be made of ivory or something? Like the keys? Yeah. 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 yeah totally. Wow, that's had to be really expensive. For sure. That's why rich people only had them for Poor, a while. poor elephants. Yeah. I think Mark still currently, so good. I think it's still currently. He'd be pretty well off to have a piano still. Well, you gotta have the space in your house. That's true. Yeah, you, have to, you have to have a house. And that's, that's, that's investment one. Steve, our conversation when we were talking about uh, things that we, things, skills that we wish that we had uh, inspired me, and I'm shopping for a keyboard right now. Are you really? I am. Let's get you a, uh, what's it called? A Seiko. Uh, a what? A Casio. Yeah, get you a Casio. I don't know what that is. It's a fucking it's keyboard a, brand. It's a brand. brand. <laughs> no, it's not good. It's the get, kind I have. Get one of those oh, keyboards okay. that you can program dumb noises in it where you press this button. It's like pew, pew, pew. <laughs> pew, pew, wah, 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 pew. Yeah, that's the only thing you do. I just, I just want to learn to play. It doesn't make a difference. I like one that would have resistance. You know what I mean? Like yeah. where it feels like a piano. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, I'm going to do that. You want to learn another fun fact from the trivia? I would love more facts. Historians have one year in which they cannot account for the life of Jeffrey Chaucer. And this is supposed to be when that takes place. This could have happened. This this is canon. They just straight up don't know for a year. And they're like, yeah, that's when this happened. That's when this went down. 
So we had to read uh, Jeffrey Chaucer in high school. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I was watching this movie over and over and over mostly. And uh, Simon the Summoner and that other asshole that he owes his money to at the beginning uh, after gambling. Those are real characters from that epic poem. In uh, Canterbury Tales? Yeah. And so when he says, uh, I'm done with you, except to exact my revenge, I will obliterate you in fiction. I was naked for a day. You will be naked for eternity. Any, all that stuff is a, a, a joke about how he wrote about them and made fun of them in his Canterbury tales. So that's fun. Interesting. That is fun. I was, I was like, I was, ha, ha, ha. when you said that, I didn't really pick up on the context. So at, for a second, I was like, when's he going to write this novel? Yeah. <laughs> when do we have time in this movie for that? Um, and I love his introduction when he's walking naked down the road and he's like, good morning. And like all of that stuff. What a great introduction to trudge. The slow, weary walk of a man who has nothing left but to simply soldier on. And, he, you know, he loves the sound of his own voice. I've always identified with his character in this movie. <laughs> I truly, I'm not even trying to be self-deprecating. I'm just being honest. That is, I, that is who I strive to be. This, like, informed my personality. I'd like to think I'm William Thatcher. I am at best the herald in this movie uh but i'm more I'm likely alan tiddick i was gonna say i'm more likely what i will phone you <laughs> oh this is fun from canterbury tales do you know what the first story's called uh a knight's tale it is <laughs> isn't that good that's the movie <laughs> that's why they named it that i get it he's the main character you guys wow i didn't wow we weird dropping bombs on this page. Weird. We should have given this for free. The people have to know. Yeah, right? It's true. They're gonna. Their minds are gonna be blown when we tell them that William Thatcher's the main character. All right, I got one more for you. There was one jousting accident that happened. Do you know what it was? In the actual movie? Well, sort of. Like behind the scenes accident. Like- yes. There. Somebody got hurt jousting. Do you know how? No, of course you don't. They don't. fell off the horse. No, um, the they were uh, play acting. It was Heath Ledger and the director, and Heath Ledger accidentally hit him in the face with a broom and knocked a tooth out. Wow. Oh, whole shit. Tooth. A whole tooth. He's, Damn, Heath. He was probably in trouble. He was going hard. That, that would be painful. To knock an adult tooth out of somebody's... And that's... He would have beat the shit <laughs> <laughs> That's what you would have done. All right. Give me your little shit. Fong you. Yeah, I will he, fong he you. Almost, he got fonged for sure. I love the training montage when he finally uh, gets the lance in the loop on the river. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that he's, his armor is too heavy for him to come up out of the water. And the, the ex- Any minute now. The extended cuts. <laughs> they, don't, they don't actually show him them saving him. No. It's just hard cuts to the next day. And that's <laughs> so funny. That's great editing. Yeah. I, I do have one question. So... His father gives him to this knight so that he may have a better life. And that scene with the knight is like so endearing because it's like this handsome looking man of adventure. Like, show me your teeth, boy. How strong are you? Ah, but you got spirit. Ah, show him his chores. And he seems like this nice. I will take this squire under my wing and, you know, teach him the ways. I'll protect him and all that stuff. Is that the same guy that died shitting himself in the very beginning that he replaces? It <laughs> in theory, yeah. What happened? What what were the what were the where are they now stories of that dude, you know? <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, he was in those times 40 was 80 and uh, you know, he was in his late 30s when he got William. And <laughs> he was supposed to be in his late 30s played by a 60-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> as you do. 
And then it's, you know, eight years later, because I can assume he was actually pretending to be Sir Ulrich for what, two to four years before he went back to London and it all came to a head. One year, as we learned from the Jeffrey Chaucer. (laughs) That's true. Really? Is it just that? No, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like it would take a long time for uh, Count Adamar to go off to war and return. Well, you kind of just there's sort of an assumption of time doesn't really count in this movie because it's just like, yeah, all we do is just travel around and go jousting, guys. There's just always a tournament. I I think that that's what's funny about this sort of if you want to be an asshole and sometimes you do. Right. You know, he's knighted now. So now he's like, he that's amazing. Like he achieved his dream, but he's going to spend a great deal of time going off to war (laughs) (laughs) now. Right. Yep. Hey, welcome to knighthood, man. It's so cool. You won that tournament. Uh, By the way, we're going to go on a crusade. And so say goodbye to Jocelyn. I'll take good care of her. Uh, It's going to be gone for about four or five years. And hopefully you don't die horribly. Yeah. Hopefully you don't run into a last duel type of situation. I was going to say, he ends up being Matt Damon. (laughs) (laughs) Also, no big deal. There's a couple people been getting sick from rats. We don't think it's going to be a big deal. I think everybody wears masks and stays inside. I think this should blow over soon. (laughs) That's a Black Plague joke. My lord, this is tyranny. Masks? (laughs) (laughs) My lord. (laughs) The government wants you to bathe. I am not a sheep. I will not bathe just because the government makes me. (laughs) Uh, So the reason that we watched this movie and we we did this because of the audience demanded it the love story, right? Correct. So how do you guys feel like the love story holds up in this movie? Well, like I said at the beginning, I think it's one of my favorite of all time just because Mm of Jocelyn's. willingness to give up her her nobility just to be with him right is she noble she's a princess she's a princess that's what he says uh, at one point chaucer says something like uh the princess is here or something like that yeah okay. and uh and uh rufus you- is trying to negotiate a marriage with her father right but so like common I'm, people don't do that that's that's sure, the nobility sure. thing well i mean well is it that was just like yeah, arranged, yeah, marriage, arranged marriages are thing. Mar- arranged marriages are a p- purely political thing. Like they do that to uh, establish alliances and so stuff like Count that. Adamar wouldn't be interested in her unless I mean, arranged marriages still happen now. It's not just right. political. But I'm talking about back then. That's oh. that's what they that was the purpose of them was to shore up alliances and political clout and also financial clout as well. Really, I thought that. That kind of always happened. That well, that's that's why, like, even up to like World War One, World War Two, like, oh, the 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 like the the British king's cousin is the wife of the German army. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Uh, it, it, that's that's a lot of the reason why they did that kind of stuff. I was just curious because it's, it's kind of like just like yeah, she hangs out at the church sometimes, and generally she just rides around, goes to the different jousts. She's just she's just a turn exactly. She's just a turny groupie. A woman of high birth and wealth would have ample free time, right? Mm. But they they help that along. First off, we can assume Count Adamar wouldn't be interested in her at all unless she was a very high birth. But um, Jeffrey Chaucer is an educated man about town. And when he sees her for the first time, William goes, that's her. He goes, oh, William, you aim too high. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the, like, you're fucking crazy. That's the princess of bloogity bloogity or whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We don't know. We don't know where. I do love that scene when Count Adamar, like she's at her, 
I don't know, her seat in the stage. And he just kind of like, my lady, let me tell you the, t- the, tell you the rules of the tourney. And they talk uh, for can, a while. Can you scoot over? <laughs> they talk for a while. And she gives him this look at the end of the scene. It's like, who said you could sit here? <laughs> and I love Are that we friends? <laughs> they have him mansplaining. And she just like rolls her eyes at her friend. Like, oh my God. And the whole time his little buddy just has a hawk. <laughs> no. Fuck yeah, dude, with the hawk. It's just a guy standing there with hawk. What purpose does it That's serve? That's to characterize him. He's the hawk, dude. He's a, he's a predator. All of the heralds are so weird looking. There's like fucking D grade Benedict Cumberbatch early on. Do you remember this dude? He's like, yeah, that's the prince's herald. The- <laughs> yeah, he's like the 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 best. That's because even Chaucer is like, you're good before he reinvents the game and mm-hmm. does like a WWF entrance that shocks the world. My Lord won't have you in a steel cage <laughs> <laughs> on next summer's Eve. <laughs> he will beat you. Your back will be on the ground. You'll be staring up at the lights waiting for the three second tan. <laughs> The three second hand. One, two, yeah, three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, a John, get, it's a John Cena line. <laughs> oh, really? Deal. Yeah, it is. There you go. It's from his rap. That's pretty good. You can't see me. My Lord cannot be seen. <laughs> There's a bunch of obscure medieval wrestling jokes coming at you, folks. We got more. He is the rock. The people's <laughs> champ. <laughs> he does call him the rock and the hard place. He does, yeah. The rock, the hard place. That's good. That's a good line. It's Paul Bettany, 100%. Through through anyone else, I don't like those lines. Really, right? I'm just saying. I have no that idea. That line I have no in reference. particular, "The Rock, The Hard Place," that I like a lot. It's so good, everything he says, um, and that's what I like about. I said it earlier. I think a lot of the dialogue is too witty by half. Right? This is a. Uh, it's not quite Kevin Smith or Tarantino, but it's the same vein of just someone just so in love with the quips in their own words and their own cleverness and everyone in the movie, even all of the, yeah, Diablo Cody, even all the uneducated peasants are just witty as hell. And it could be a flaw to some people and probably is, but I, I, I love it. That that's what makes me love it. Um, like there's a bunch of lines between, um, uh, William and Jocelyn where like, he's angry that Adamar wasn't there and he's storming off. And she's like, what are you going to wear to the banquet tonight? And he's like, nothing. And she's like, well, then I shall dress to match. And so we will cause a sensation. And, you know, <laughs> shit like that, right? Like, who says that? That's not what she's going to say. She's going to say, what? <laughs> but that, you coming? that's what I like. I like that shit. I, I am an idiot. Uh, I want to see, like, if you guys feel I'm an idiot. Because there was a scene in the movie. Yes. So eventually, there's obviously Rufus Sewell. He finds out that... Uh, uh, Heath Ledger isn't who he say, says he is. He is actually a commoner. He's not really a knight. And arrest that man, you know. I thought that was happening way earlier. There's a scene where, like, he goes to war. And he's, like, looking over what is now, I know, is, like, his, um, what do they call it? His, like, royal, the pamphlets that he has to show to prove that he's, like, a knight. The patents of nobility. Pat- yes, the patents of nobility. He's, like, thumbing through all the patents of nobility because, like you said, Andy, he's keeping up on all the sports while he's away. Yeah, it's just <laughs> the scores. Yeah, it's, like, who it's won. just who won the tournaments, yeah. I thought when that was happening is he went to war and he, like, 
fucked over this town and that town had the same sigil that Paul Bettany was using for that and he was like oh he's not who he says he is because he's not the lord of this town I just conquered uh, <laughs> and I thought that's what ha- was happening oh, in the moment oh he was looking through all of them to see if his name was there and it wasn't yeah that's what he thought was going on that's what I thought was happening I in think the moment. that's just a problem you're not an idiot I think that's you've seen a ton of movies and that would have been an excellent casual way for that to happen like that mm-hmm. would have been believable I went to Gelderland and it probably you weren't there <laughs> Liechtenstein wasn't that where he was from uh, Gelderland sure Lich- Ulrich, Ulrich von Liechtenstein oh, von Lichtenstein. of Gelderland yeah. he comes from Gelderland which apparently Gelderland. is a real air, real place so like in European theaters like it caused laughs that were not planned oh because they're like fuck Gel- that place Gelderland <laughs> a real place apparently well, Steve, I would say that you're not an idiot, except for the part where his hawk-wielding herald shows up and says, the results from the tournaments, and then he's flipping through, and he pronounces Ulrich so weird. Ulrich. Ulrich. No, he, he does it right. That's the German pronunciation. With but the- honestly, no, you're not dumb. In fact, uh, plot pacing-wise, it probably would have made more sense for it to happen around then. Because that dude has a hard on for just making his life miserable. Well, it's him. a quick turnaround of he gets busted and put in the stocks to never mind. You got knighted. And the the prince is literally just standing there in monk's robes like, aha. Yeah, that's so goofy. And I love it. <laughs> I'm here to fix. Why were you wearing you? that? Why just do it earlier? Why did right. you watch everybody throw shit at him? Well, then he can't do a dramatic reveal. But then as soon as I'm like, that's dumb. He's in the. Yeah. The, I mean, that's fine. But it, it's corny. Oh, but yeah, then, when, sure. but he's such a good actor, and the way he delivers his lines, right? Like your men love you, and if I knew only that, you know, like that's just, it's just, and I get the chills creep back up. I'm like, fuck it, put the robe back on. I love that shit. Yeah. And I'm, you're not dumb, Steve, but I do have an insult for you, and it's and maybe you're just born when did this, this way. Become Steve's roast, <laughs> fuck. It's I'm sorry, you're not dumb, but let me tell you why you're a piece of shit. I just <laughs> feel like. French wine is too rich for your English belly. <laughs> that was the best part. Like, that guy's clearly not French, right? That's just an Englishman. Yeah, yeah the, the, the acting was really Totally bad. not French. That reminded me of, uh, 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 shit. The, you, you smell of elderberries. <laughs> yeah. No, your mother was a hamster. <laughs> and your father's... I fought in your general direction. <laughs> in your general direction. <laughs> your English bellies cannot handle the French wine. I'll see, holy grail. Oh, we are he got one <laughs> we already got one he says he's already got one can we see it that's a uh, very nice <laughs> he says he's already got one that's what that reminded me of so much it was so it was such a that's like when, <laughs> that's such a dumb because they're they're trading japes and insults yeah and japes that's, and that's just the, a bunch of jack and apes <laughs> that's the one that the french guy ends on it's such a dumb like that's not the closer, man. That's like when it, <laughs> that's like when Italian people are like, "Hey, your mother's a terrible cook." Like, <laughs> okay. But in their culture, man, their fucking closer was after all, the Pope is French, <laughs> and then that's the one that sets Roland off, and he's like, "Well, the Pope may be French, but Jesus is English." You're on. It's like, no, wait, he's what? not. No, he's not. <laughs> Definitely not. Well, they're very religious folk back then, you know. Yeah. Very important, except for Jocelyn. She seems like pure atheist. One of my favorite lines, too, is if you want to talk about the romance of it specifically, is, you know, she compliments his tunic. It's like, you know, you look very handsome. 
and uh, which he does, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that tunic was fire. They should call him Sir Drip. And she, you know, basically requests it's 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 <laughs> it's open <laughs> it's open that he should say something about her, and he says, "You remind me of the Bible." And just the, her face, it's so crestfallen. Like, like oh no, he's oh a fucking no. idiot. <laughs> what the fuck? That's terrible. What? And then he goes on to explain it. And it does turn into be one of this most like the beautifully romantic thing, right? And I don't know anything about the Bible, so he's like when blah 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 defended the Ottomites, and I'm, I don't know, I don't know well, what he's no, talking I was about. Was in the ark, and there were only two. And she's like, I don't understand, and I don't either, as the audience member, right? But then when he explains, you know, it's like I have this moment lasts forever. Uh, it's it's awesome. It's really cool. Like, way to save that, buddy. Mm-hmm. Your tits, <laughs> ballsy way to start. Like you could have, you could have went straight there, but instead, it reminds me of the Bible. But it's played like he's thinking of it just then, like, and that's what he thought of at first because his brain was all over the place. And it's the Bible that I'm thinking about, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think it's lovely. You can't trust what I think about this movie. As a recently single man, I'm going to try it at the bars. I think it'll work. Up like, Excuse me, madam. <laughs> you remind me. Of the Bible. <laughs> you have a minute to talk. <laughs> Old Testament. They're gonna, she's How about we gonna turn that like, water into wine, bartender? Are you those guys <laughs> his cigarettes? <laughs> but you're, yeah. The free ones. Yeah. I got to scan their ID. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Steve? No, I don't. Okay. That's a thing at bars. They're like, I don't know if they have them anymore. I don't know if they need them. Uh, I saw one as recently as like probably three years ago. So like probably still around. So they're like business development reps for tobacco companies, but they're really low level. So they get paid to walk around bars. They do them for Red Bull too. And they, Oh, I've seen the Red Bull people, the, the girls with the Red Bull yeah, backpacks. Yeah, and they I've just hand them. out Red Bulls to everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the cigarette people, their job is to go around in bars and scan people's driver's licenses. And they'll give you two packs of free camels or whatever. It's usually camel to what end? So that you can now get hooked they, on Siggy's, my guy. So they can mail, but, 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 mail, but, mail you ads. Yeah, they mail you coupons. Oh, that's why they scan? Uh-huh. Okay, that's that's what my to what end was. Like, why are they scanning your license? That's weird. Yeah. You want these Siggy's? And when I <laughs> smoked, I loved that. I was like, yes, hey guys. And I get all my friends that didn't smoke. Give me your licenses. Here, scan my fake ID too. <laughs> Give me your licenses. Oh, why? Scan a lot of times me. it's like a Zippo, like a shitty Zippo and some coupons. It, it, it's just what. I, some of them were people I knew, so it's just like, "Hey, how's it going? I'm about to go here, there, the other. You want a zip out? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, you're already in here. Just take one." And he sounds. So, he's. It's happened so often to Andy. He sounded bored of it. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I guess our buddy Robbie from high school. His sister does it. Sarah mm-hmm. does it now. Still, uh, she did it years ago. Three, three years ago. Yeah. Huh. Um, but yeah, those, those anyway. Red Bull girls were vicious. Man, they'd come into the movie theater and do that shit. Dang. When I worked at when I worked at North Theater, they'd what come a in. good job if you're if you're a young person, you know, just walk around, yeah, especially at fun. night partying. Because when I worked at the bar, it was frequent, you know, just the Red Bull girls, hey, you know, because we all we all run at Red Bull because we were up late working, going upstairs. Yeah, you're, you're not allowed up there, but if you give us some, that's yeah, we did that at the theater. Like you're you're technically not supposed to be soliciting here, but give me some of that Red Bull. <laughs> exactly, we'll yeah. talk. That shit's delicious. Come on this way. <laughs> All's to say, Steve. You know what? I think that would crush it with the girls at the bar. Yeah, I think you. Oh, the Bible thing. Yeah. No, if you brought free cigarettes and Red Bull, <laughs> keep, keep a pack of cigarettes <laughs> just in case. Excuse me, ma'am. Do you smoke? No. Oh, good. 
Red Bull, you remind me of the Bible. <laughs> as long as you got like the yellow kind. Hey, where are you going? <laughs> oh, she must, must have given her wings. Oh, wings away from me. So, Steve, what do you think about the love story? I, I got Chris's opinion. Well, we are. Chris loves this movie. It's his favorite movie. Do you do you, do you feel like it's? I feel like Honestly, it's the worst part of the movie. Uh, I, I would like say there's no chemistry. Between I wouldn't say Shannon it's the worst part, but it's it's also like I give it a solid like B. Like it's one of those things where like it serves its purpose. It's functional. Yeah. The leads are attractive and they have chemistry. Yeah, but it's not like. I'm going to be like, I, I, no offense to Chris's pick as most romantic movie, but I wouldn't list this as like the most romantic film I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. there's, there's a couple times right, where I'm like, is she gaslighting Heath Ledger? Why the fuck would she do that? That's mean. She's playing games and they're like, women, am I right? It's a lot of that like late yeah. 90s, early 2000s, like boy, men are from yeah, Mars, women are from Venus, <laughs> am I right, of, guys? There's a lot of dated jokes, you know? That's what I was going to say is that it feels like 90 cringy to me, 90s cringy to me. And so like, I mean, I still like it. I mean, I love this movie, but yeah. like, no, I'm not judging you for that. I'm just, I'm ge- legitimately shocked that it, the, the love doesn't register for somebody. Mm-hmm. Not, it's, it's very like, again, it's like, it's enjoyable and it's completely passable mm-hmm. or serviceable, you know, it, it, but it's not I, to me. It's not like an elevated love story, right? Mm-hmm. Well, sure. But that's like, but that's not what the movie is. No, either, this is so. like a John Hughes film version of love. And that's, that's why I like it. It's, mm-hmm. it's idealistic. It's, it's veneered yeah. on it's intentionally veneered, right? The dude's a peasant marrying a princess. It should have cut to him putting in the earring and walking away with his fist. Like if this was reality, (laughs) if this is reality, he gets busted the first time he puts that armor on. No, he gets busted taking it off of the dead knight, arrested for murdering the knight and beheaded nine minutes into this movie. And she ends up banging the dude, the herald of Count Adamar and his hawk. Right? Like that's easily. <laughs> eagerly. Mm. Let me put the hawk's helmet on so it doesn't see us while we make love. <laughs> then you do have this little helmet so they don't attack things. <laughs> they turn what into is there a hawk. <laughs> they turn into John Thatcher. First off, hawking was a hobby of the nobility in those days. Secondly, I do believe it is symbolism about his nature. You peasants. Go on. <laughs> because he's the hunter. But he didn't have, he never touched the hawk. It wasn't his hawk. It was his, his steward's hawk. His hawk. herald holds his hawk for him like, when here, he's hold flirting. My, hold my hawk. Hold on. I see bitches. Hold my hawk. <laughs> it's like the beer of the medieval times. <laughs> oh my God. Look at that girl. Bro, take my bird. <laughs> <laughs> hold my bird. <laughs> I love that he has the little helmet on, the hawking helmet on the little hawk. What do you think birds are thinking when they got those little helmets on? Like, oh, what happened to the light? What happened to the world? <laughs> Am I alive? Am I John Thatcher? What happened to the world? <laughs> Does my son follow his feet? <laughs> that, maybe that's a symbolism. He's he controls the peasants and his dad is a blind hawk. No. He's the peasant. The only reason John is blind is to build up the dramatic tension so that he doesn't see him as soon as he walks in. Oh, hey, well, <laughs> you know but what I mean? He wouldn't have recognized him anyway, right? Like, who are you? He, I mean, I think in the movie he looks drastically different, but in reality, he just looks like 12 years older. Will, right? Yeah. 
I, I like to think of it that he's he's blind to serve a narrative function towards the end when the rules of jousting aren't super clear to the audience at this point. So that at the end when he does win and she leans over to her dad and says, he won. <laughs> <laughs> the audience is like, I did. Did you really not understand the rules of jousting by the end still? No, I did, but I'm <laughs> joking. God, you're fucking dumb. <laughs> As Andy idiot. said. You stupid fucking idiot. <laughs> it's three points, man. Oh, man. So they break the rules during the scene where he has to try to pretend to throw the fight, though. Like yeah. I told Andy, I was like, I've never understood this because if you get hit three times, you're done. Is my understanding. He gets hit like 17 times and it still works. I love that montage because it's, it's love, baby. He's yeah. willing to take those hits for her. Mm-hmm. That Maybe that's just really a different sense. kind of tournament. You know what I mean? It's not a question. It's, it's like a Royal it, Rumble. Those were, it's those more were Queensbury like, rules. <laughs> it's more like soccer in the World Cup. It's not all about wins and losses. It's about points scored, you know? Yeah, they were like, and this match will be played by golf rules. <laughs> <laughs> Highest higher points win or lowest score wins. Yep. How do you play golf? I forget. <laughs> Get the Scottish guy up here. He'll explain. I'm so high. The Robin Williams joke. Oh, is it? I don't know. Scott, where he's like the Robin's Williams stand up joke where he's talking about how the Scottish invented or yeah, the Scottish invented golf. And he's like, it's just, I'm going to care fucking sport. I, I hit that thing way the fuck over there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tiny little hole. <laughs> Fuck no! You guys haven't seen that? It's so fucking funny. No, but I'm actually really impressed that you're doing the Scottish accent. It's yeah. not great, but Andy-wise, it's phenomenal. Well, that was a double-layered impression. That was, that was Robin, Robin that Williams. That was Robin yes. Williams doing Scottish. Yes. Wow, God. that was Scottish flubber. Scottish yes. flubber. Oh my God, that's my nomination for the <laughs> So in the month of March, to honor the release of The Batman, Reed's going to choose a Robert Pattinson film. Or if it's defensively, defensively Robert Pattinson adjacent, I will allow it. However, so what does, does that open it mean? up for anything, how, Kristen Stewart? How, no, no, but that's a wonderful <laughs> is this, idea. Is this the loophole that Chris is creating to make case <laughs> to movies? That's a wonderful idea. That's not where I was going. I was trying to give you an out. Oh, okay. If you could do like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing, I was going to okay. allow it. Okay. But now, now, who knows? Oh, yeah. I mean, you could totally just pull Twilight, right? Like, yeah, I do love. Totally. Okay. So um, who wants to go first? Shall I? Shall you I? Shall. If you if you shall, or maybe okay. you shan't. I'm going to nominate 2017's Good Time. Good Time. Good. That's, that's time. a Softy Brothers film, is it? Softy Brothers film. And have you seen it? Be, I have not. It is a uncomfortable batshit movie. I have heard, and I've started it, and I got uncomfortable and stopped it, and never <laughs> went back. But if I have to watch it, it's a great film. I, yeah, I hear, and I know that he does great in it. And so, like, I feel like that movie is probably, like, the one that got him Batman. Because I feel like that movie is when people started to take Robert Pattinson seriously as an actor. Maybe I'm wrong about that. No, I think so. I mean, that was a standout moment for sure. And so, I feel like I'm missing out by having not seen it. So, yeah. that's what I, I nominate. I think that that is a great choice. And Steve? Andy, I'm honestly surprised you didn't pick your 10th best 10th favorite film from uh, 2021, yeah. 2020. And is that what you're going to nominate? I'm, I'm, I'm debating because I, I, I'm debating on picking Tenet or The King. 
Um, don't know what the king is. He uh, plays the Frenchman and the French villain in the king. In the king, yeah, it's a Timothée Chalamet Ooh. medieval film. Um, I, I'm torn because because I think like Tenet would be a really fun episode to just kind of like fucking rip into it and like getting really into the weeds on the discussion. But also, I've I've always wanted to watch the king. I haven't seen it yet, and it would pop up on Netflix. Like you, you might be interested in this. I'm like, you're right, Netflix, but not today. Um, I'm going with the king. 2019's the king. 2019's the king. I got to go with Twilight. My really? Dude. My dude. I kind of have to. I kind of have to. Breaking, <laughs> Breaking Dawn Part 1? No, no, no. The first Twilight. Because <laughs> we got to watch the baseball scene. God damn it. That's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> and I have case to. I'm going to be so honest with you right now. Okay. I picked my vote praying that you would pick a twilight because i kind of wanted someone to pick it so it would win and we'd have to watch it together i've made it this far in my life without ever having seen a twilight movie really same same here's something that you probably will be not surprised about i have seen them all it's not good (laughs) many times yeah (laughs) many times but you said there's a baseball scene Yes. Okay, You've like never seen that. I've, I've, I've seen the baseball, the baseball scene. The baseball scene is notoriously funny and bad. Awesome. It is yeah, a, a scene where vampires play, uh, baseball. play baseball, but they do it during a thunderstorm because they are ridiculously super hum- human strong. And so when they hit the balls, the crack of the bat is too loud. They wait for the thunder and it, yeah. Wow. And it is so funny. Uh, people make fun of it a lot, but it, you know, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Okay. So anyway, not that we're pushing you towards that, guys. There's also yeah. a lot of good moments and good time. You like <laughs> you like Timothy Chalamet, and you like uh, period. You want to keep this period piece rolling. Uh-huh. You know, we got a Knight's Tale this month. Let's do a little uh, The King next month. Yeah. What if What if a Knight's Tale was slow and sprawling and historically accurate? That's what the King asks. Yes. <laughs> have you seen it? I have. Okay. So you've seen all of these. I have. Okay. Hmm. What's a Robert Pattinson film you haven't seen? I have never seen Metropolis. Okay. The remake. Nominate that. <laughs> Water for Elephants. I nominated Twilight. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're watching Twilight. Right, so Maybe not. Good Times, The King, and the first Twilight movie. That's correct. No, th- all of them. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, nominate the entire. T- my wife would be so pleased. It's my displeasure to announce that I will be leaving streaming things. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, thank you all for tuning in to our coverage of A Knight's Tale. I uh, had a good cry. I loved watching it. My name is Chris. And I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. Sir Steve Von Lichtenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Happy streaming. Happy streaming.